her stepfather, her mom's boyfriend, is just about as high conflict as she is, if not more so. Oh. He, like, he's taken pictures of my car, my license plate, like, our house. He's gotten in trouble with our lawyer a few times. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 213 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. What's up, honey? Not a lot, honey. (laughs) We do want to mention to y'all that there is the Nacho Kids Academy where we can help you learn to nacho properly, help you through your journey, and it is an awesome community. That it is. We had a lady that recently joined, and she was so surprised at how different it was versus the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. It's like going to a complaint festival versus going to a therapy session. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, we had a good conversation with her about that, so it it was very interesting. Yes. It made me feel good about it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I knew there was a difference, but it's always reassuring when someone that joins the academy, they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is so much better than I thought it would be, and it's so helpful, and I don't see all the crap that I see in the Facebook group. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's there, and it works. That it does. That it does. All right. And also, if you would like to apply for a Nacho Kids Academy scholarship, courtesy of Sylvia Krakauer. Go to nachokids.com slash scholarships. Yep. Get in there. No excuse. Today's winner of the Nacho Kids Academy Scholarship is dun, 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 Jennifer K. Jennifer, check your email and we will get you started in the Nacho Kids Academy. Congratulations, Jennifer. Congratulations, girl. We will see you in there. Our guest today is Erica. Erica has been blending for three and a half years. Married one and a half years. She helps stepmoms with fertility issues. Hmm. Her husband has full custody, so she's a full-time stepmom. And having no kids of her own and going through IVF makes that a little harder. Yeah, I can imagine. I do need to say that this podcast episode includes discussion of alcoholism. All right, David, you got anything to add? I think that's about it for today. Keep it quite short. All right, that sounds good. All right. Let's get to listening. Today, we have stepmom Erica. Hey, Erica, how are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Doing well. So tell us a little bit about you and your blend. Well, so we have been, my husband and I have been together for about three and a half years, married for about a year and a half now. And we have his daughter. She'll be five in about three weeks now. And when we had gotten together, it was the beginning of his divorce. And about six months after that, he ended up being the sole custodial parent. So I've been a full-time stepmom for the majority of the time I've known my stepdaughter. Wow. Yeah. Is by a mom in the picture at all, or she just disappeared? So it's kind of off and on. She did, well, she does have a substance issue, Mm -hmm. and that is why she lost custody in the first place. So she's kind of been in and out. There's been times where she's been completely out for seven or eight months. 
There's been times where she's, you know, been a little more consistent and seen my stepdaughter on a weekly basis for an hour or two. During the first summer after she had lost custody, she was doing every other weekend supervised. So she was a little more consistent back then. But, you know, now we're back into the she's not being as consistent as she used to be. So it's it's kind of off and on. You don't have any kids of your own? Not currently, no. Okay. Do you want kids of your own? Yes. So that's actually one of the things I have an Instagram and a TikTok account for, well, trying to build an audience for stepmoms going through fertility problems. Um, We are currently on our second round of IUIs. So we're we're trying. I'm so glad that you have Instagram and stuff like that for those stepmoms because it's hard enough on someone in, we're going to say nuclear relationship. Right. But then you have this child when you're in a blend that your significant other had with somebody else. And it can sometimes just be a reminder that you're not having kids very easily here. Right. And that was one of the things too. In the beginning, I had a lot of resentment towards bio mom for, because they had my stepdaughter basically for a shot. And she's essentially throwing away her relationship with her daughter. Right. As somebody who can't easily have children, I'm dying to have a relationship with a biological child and she's not taking this as seriously as I hope she would. Yeah. Well, addiction is a horrible thing. And I know for me, if I wouldn't have had my sister deal with it and friends deal with it, my response would have been, oh my God, lady, give up the drugs. Have a relationship with your kid, but it's not that easy. And some can say it's a demon that's just attached to them, and they have to really fight to overcome it. And it's hard. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, she's been in and out of rehab three times in the past year. It's really got a hold on her, and it's really sad to see this happening because, you know, she mentions how much she misses her daughter and wants to be there. But then it's like, She keeps going back to her old ways and she keeps having to go back into treatment programs. And it's such a struggle to get her on a good path and stay there. Yeah. My sister, actually, she turned to drugs and doing more of them when her ex, he was her, I guess, husband at the time, kidnapped their child. Oh, wow. So that just sent her on a spiral. But I will say the day my sister died, she was clean. Mm, good for her. Yep. She, that's probably why she died. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the biggest concerns we have right now because my stepdaughter is still so young. Yeah. And she keeps going in and out of rehab. And, you know, she's gotten a DUI before she's rolled her car while she was intoxicated. So it's like we're really concerned that something worse is going to happen. And then that's going to be a whole nother level of things that we have to walk my stepdaughter through and it's just a lot for her to take in because you know it's hard on her in the first place to even know that bio mom's around but she's just not seeing her for whatever myriad of reasons but then if she just wasn't going to see her ever again I feel like that would be really hard for her I've got several things I want to cover with this first of all what does your stepdaughter know about mom does she think mom's sick does she think mom's just not available so that's <laughs> that's the struggle with her because she's unbelievably smart for her age. 
we started off trying to be like, well, she's sick and she was taking too much medicine. And then she was asking question after question and like walking us in circles, basically. And it's like, okay, we can't, because she knows medicine's supposed to be helpful, but if you take too much, you might get more sick. Mm -hmm. And it was a whole thing. So we had to talk through with, um, she is a therapist and there was a co-parenting counselor in the mix at the time about what we could let her know that would probably make it more clear because she knows that her father and I will have a beer with dinner, a glass of wine, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of had to explain it to her like, well, mama drinks alcohol and it's kind of like an allergy situation where she really shouldn't because she can get really sick if she does. So it started off as she's sick, but then when it was like a seven month period of her being sick, she was like, okay, what is going on? This is not, (laughs) she can't be that sick, right? Yeah. I don't think we give kids enough credit sometimes. Really? I'll tell her that she's got an addiction issue. What do you tell a five-year-old? Even if they're very smart. Right. So we told her that alcohol can change the way your brain works and some people can drink it and some people kind of have like an allergy. I have a peanut allergy. Right. So she knows that that's how that works. I can't have anything with nuts in it or else I'll get really, really sick. So we kind of went through her therapist and she was like, some people, when they drink alcohol, they get really, really sick, but they can't stop drinking the alcohol. So they get more and more sick. Right. And that's kind of how she's understood it. And, you know, you can drink responsibly. And like, if you drink at all, you should stay home and not get in the car. She's kind of pieced together this whole thing pretty well, you know, for being only five years old. So So, her, it's not that she's on pills or anything. It's alcohol. Correct. Okay. Not that that makes it any easier. Right. Just, I know a lot of times people hear addiction and think pills or heroin or opioid, you know, the more than alcohol. There were questions in the beginning because when her and my husband were married, she was using other substances. But as far as we know, she hasn't been using those Mm -hmm. as of late, but we're not sure. Yeah. When's the last time your stepdaughter saw her? She saw her for a brief moment. Uh, We were going into a therapy appointment. We tried to start doing every other therapy appointment. Bio mom would show up and be there with her for the appointment. Mm -hmm. And she was kicked out (laughs) from the therapy appointment because she showed up intoxicated. Oh. Yeah. So she was waiting for a ride to go home and we ran into her on the staircase. And, you know, I let them say hi hugs and kisses and stuff. And then I'm like, okay, we have to go into the appointment. But prior to that, it was sometime in January she saw her. Wow. What's your relationship like with stepdaughter? When you first came in the relationship, your husband already had full custody. Yeah, pretty much. So he and I met through work. And at that point, they were starting their divorce and everything. My lease was up at my apartment a couple months later, and it was the beginning of the pandemic. So I was like, okay, this will be a roommate situation. I'll move in. We'll see how this works out. And then shortly after is when she had gotten into the accident and lost custody. So before that, she was kind of withholding stepdaughter a little bit to where my husband would only have her every few weekends for a couple of hours at a time, like an overnight here and there. There was no real set schedule. Mm-hmm. And my stepdaughter at the time, she wasn't even two yet when I met her. But as soon as I met her, she started calling me mommy. And we were like, no, no, honey. Like, my name is Erica. It's okay. Like, 
not your mommy. It's fine. But she just kept sticking with it. We're like, okay, you know, if that's what she's comfortable with, we can reassess as she gets older. Right. And then the full-time stepmom situation happened. And I've been mommy ever since. And uh, her bio mom is mama, which she hates. But, (laughs) you know, we've, we've always told my stepdaughter that she can call me whatever she wants to, as long as she's not calling me inappropriate names. Yeah. being rude about it. Right. <laughs> right. So I was like, you can call me my name. You can call me mom. You can call me whatever. As long as you're not being belligerent about it, then it's fine. Right. So do you parent her? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm currently a stay-at-home mom for her. My husband got a new job over the summer last year, and the pay raise he got was more than I was making, and we were spending a lot of money in daycare. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I wasn't very happy in my job to begin with. So he was like, you know, this pay raise kind of negates the need for you having a job. We'll be making more money with just him than the two of us were together. Mm -hmm. He was like, you know, if we cut the daycare expense and then she'll have a year off between now and starting kindergarten in the fall, maybe we should just, you know, give her that kind of break. We'll do some like kids meetups. The library does story times. She does dance class. She's she's starting soccer, so she gets interaction outside of the house. But right. currently, she's she's with me all day, every day. <laughs> How do you feel about all this? As far as you want kids of your own, you've got this child that calls you mommy. That's not your child, and you know that, right? Do you feel blessed? To be able to be her stepmom? Absolutely. And, you know, it's been a lot of hard work, especially dealing with bio mom. She's been very high conflict and aggressive toward me since the beginning. There was an incident where she, like, in the very beginning when she found out that I existed, she, like, didn't break in, but she, like, pushed past my boyfriend at the time to, like, come into the house and, like, search through my stuff and, like, try to find me and everything. It was a whole situation. But, oh goodness, you know... I'm happy to do what I do for my stepdaughter. She's a really great kid. My husband and I talk about how lucky we are that she's so smart and she's like ridiculously responsible for (laughs) being only five. Mm -hmm. She's very advanced. She's been one of the best kids. I used to work in daycare and she's like one of the best kids I've ever met. Oh, It's really nice to be here and be in this situation and like have this opportunity because it may not work out that my husband and I ever have kids. And that's, as long as we have her, that's, I'm fine with it. Yeah. It's something I've had to come to terms with. The struggle has all made it worth it. I've been really blessed to have a really great support system behind me too. My in-laws are some of the most amazing people I've ever met. They've been incredibly supportive since the day I met them. They've checked in with me to make sure I'm okay. They give me breaks if I need it. They're both retired. So they take her for weekends if I just need like time alone or if my husband and I just want a weekend together because we do have her full time. Right. And then like my family is so involved with her. My younger sisters are (laughs) amazing with her. They take her to the state fairs. They take her to the beach. They're amazing. And my mom absolutely Adores her. She came over yesterday just to do Easter crafts with her. It was really cute. Oh, <laughs> that is so good. Yeah, it's been really great. I think that's why it's been, I don't want to say easy, but it's been a lot easier than it could have been 
because I've had such a good support system behind me. Right. And that is so important. Right. She's probably so mature for her age because by a mom was an alcoholic. Right. I know when my sister went through her spells, it definitely made her other children uh, more independent. Right. Yeah. Because they, they have to learn to take care of themselves, basically. Yeah, exactly. And that was a thing, too. In the beginning of the divorce, I wasn't really involved too much at that point. But I know Child and Family Services were involved for an investigation after the accident. And they had found that. Was the child with her when she wrecked? Yes. Okay. Unfortunately. That explains it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was part of the reason why she lost custody, because she was in the car when she rolled it. But. Luckily, knock on wood, everything was fine. She was strapped in well. She wasn't hurt or anything. But right. scary to begin with. And then I know the services were involved. They did an investigation. They found that Biomom was, there were substantiated neglect at the house, which I we didn't get any details as to what that actually meant. But my stepdaughter is very independent. She, you know, she relies on my husband and I quite a bit she's only five but mm-hmm. she'll she's like self-starting she'll go find something to do if nobody's there around her she'll go outside and play on her own right. she's very independent as far as a five-year-old would go yeah she's had to entertain herself right exactly yeah which may not be a bad thing really right yeah i was gonna say it is helpful in some circumstances like if i'm in the middle of dishes she'll go find something to entertain herself with. She's not like constantly nagging and pulling at my pants and everything. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she does enjoy going out to like those library programs and like the park and everything because she likes to be around other kids too. Right. But she's not super relying on the grown-ups to do things for her. Right. Yes. Now, does she ever bring up I miss my mom? Every so often. Um at first it really wasn't too big of a conversation she didn't really bring it up a lot every so often she'd be like well where is she Mm -hmm. we have to be like oh well she's with the doctors they're helping her get better it's it's better where she is right now and then she'll see you when she's not feeling so bad and then recently she's like well i wish i saw her more and we're like yeah we know we we wish that too but she just recently within the last month got back out of another treatment program so the GAL that we have involved kind of put more boundaries in place and can only do supervised visits starting in two weeks and everything like that. So she's like, well, I wish I saw her more. And it's like, yeah, us too. But, you know, there are rules. We have to follow the rules every time she goes back to the doctors. We can't rush things. Right. So I think she kind of understands we're not the ones putting rules in place and it's not us being mean or like, holding her away from her mother or anything like that. But she's, she is noticing that she's not around. Yeah. Well, and you've got to take care of the kid. Right. Absolutely. So have you thought about, if you do have a child, how that will impact your relationship with stepdaughter or change the dynamics of the blend? I know that's kind of hypothetical thinking, but have you yeah. thought about any of that? Yeah, I have. And my stepdaughter absolutely adores babies. When she was in daycare, she was one of the older kids. So she would always help in the baby room. And like when we go to parties and stuff with like her younger friends and like they have little siblings, she's always like touching their face and like, oh, little baby. So 
I think she would be a really great big sister. She's incredibly helpful. She loves to like be of assistance, really. She likes to be involved with everything. Mm -hmm. So I think she would be really good at it. But I do also think because she's been an only child for a long time and gotten all of the attention for four or five years, that there might be a little tinge of jealousy there. Yes. (laughs) Yes. If the time comes. So that's something that we're, my husband and I have both talked about how we'll kind of have to tag team and something that we've changed in our dynamic recently is because her father works seven to five Monday through Friday that he needs to take her to her dance classes. Even if it's only like a half hour thing, it's putting her more in his scope Mm -hmm. so that she's not feeling left out. So like if we end up having an ours baby, a lot of my time is going to be taken up by the new baby. Right. So it's going to be really important that either he takes the baby for a day and she and I go out for like a little lunch date or something. Or if I have the baby and, you know, I'm doing things around the house that he takes her out and does something specifically with her. So she's not feeling like she got the short end of the stick here. Yes. And that's very smart. I'm so glad that you thought about all that because way too often we see where the hours baby comes and I'm not going to say that the stepkid is neglected. Right. Because that's not the case, but it's just a baby comes in and everybody's thinking about the baby and everybody loves the baby and everybody comes to see the baby. And the other kid is like, what am I, chopped liver? (laughs) It's like, what the heck, man? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that was something that my mom really put into place for us when we were little, too, because I'm one of five kids. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, that was something that she and my my father were really, like, forward about. And, like, we spent a lot of time with my dad. Like, when there was a new baby around, we would go out, like, on fishing trips and, you know, do things with my dad. And, like, every once in a while, my mom would, you know, even just take us for a walk down the street, just the two of us, mm-hmm. and, you know, swap off kids because there were so many. But right, just to make sure that none of us felt left out when there was a new baby coming in. Yeah, and also helping her or allowing her to help you and be a part of things, something as simple as, hey, can you go pick out the baby's outfit? Right. Oh, my gosh. She would love to do that. She loves making her own outfits. She's been dressing herself for like two years now, and that's one of her favorite things is matching clothes. Mm -hmm. That would be great for her. I didn't even think about that one. Yeah. Hey, I know with my little sister, we're five years apart, so I don't really remember when she was born, but... I know the relationship we have, it was a sweet one in the beginning, a torturous one in the middle, and now we're pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And so you have to remember that, too, especially with you having four siblings yourself. Right. That when stepdaughter and the baby, once the baby gets older, if there's fights or whatever, that's, that's normal. Right. And that's a a thing that I've actually been looking into a lot with like other ours baby scenarios. And people are very concerned about is this just because it's a stepdaughter, step sibling, calf sibling kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Or is this just siblings fight kind of thing? (laughs) Right. And it's usually just siblings fight kind of thing. Right. Yeah. They're constantly in the same space and they just get on each other's nerves all the time. (laughs) Yes. My sister and I, my older sister and I, some of our best memories were fights. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things that my older sister and my younger sister were each two and a half years apart. So 
that's one of the things that we talk about at Christmas time a lot when we're all together. <laughs> like, oh, hey, remember that time I knocked your tooth out? Oh, yeah. Remember that time you wouldn't let me off the tire swing? Yeah. My sister's like, remember that time you beat my butt because I used your buff puff? I'm like, yeah, oh, no. that was nasty. Don't use somebody else's buff puff. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I kind of struggled with that in the beginning with Jackson yeah. and David's kids because I would jump in and rescue him. Mm. And then David would tell his kids, well, just leave him alone. Don't play with him. Well, that's not good either. Right. And then I realized that by me jumping in, that I was prohibiting them from building their own relationships. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, granted, if they were beating the snot out of him or something, then. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to step in at some point. Yeah. But a lot of it, I just had to say, remember when you and your sister did this or whatever. So it was... um easier to understand. And he had to learn to take care of himself too, because I wasn't going to be at school every time he had a confrontation or something right. like that. Right. Can't save you all the time. That's it. No matter how much we want to save them. Exactly. Well, before I forget, because I do want to make sure we mention this, what is your Instagram and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. It's uh, Surviving Stepmom on both. Surviving Stepmom. Yep. Okay. And it's mainly... Just for stepmoms that are trying to have kids? Uh, it is geared more towards that. I did see a bit of a lack when I was first looking for like stepmom support uh, in like communities out in, in the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, I did find kind of a gap for people who are also going through fertility treatments. Mm -hmm. I would say people who aren't also going through fertility treatments could get something out of it. Uh, I share a lot of just general thoughts on being a stepmom, but I also am sharing my own fertility journey. And if anyone wants to chime in with their own personal stories, I'm always down for that. But yeah, you really don't get it till you're in it. Right, exactly. You might can understand some of it, but until you've lived it. Mm -mm. Right, because there's a lot of like little intricate things like we're still going through family court now, three and a half years later. So it's like, it, there's so much intricacies to it. And court and talking to lawyers and the GAL and you had to like switch GALs halfway through. Oh and, gosh. Oh my gosh. It was a whole thing. And now we're looking at kindergarten registrations and what that's going to look like as far as like emergency contacts go. And if bio mom can even be a part of that at this point, because she's technically not allowed to drive with her. Right. So it's, yeah, it's bef before you're in it, you don't really understand how many things you have to keep track of. Right. So what are y'all still in court for? So we've been going to court. So the whole thing started with my husband not getting enough time with my stepdaughter mm -hmm. because, you know, they were still going through the divorce and, you know, COVID hit. So everything got delayed. And, you know, even the judge at one point was like, this is the longest time I've ever seen somebody with such a simple case be in divorce court. Yeah. So that was the initial thing we were in court for. And then when bio mom lost custody, she's been, you know, petitioning every so often to get more time to get unsupervised time. And then shortly after goes back into a rehab facility and things get thrown out and things get put back into place. And oh. so currently we're still waiting on an actual parenting plan to be put in place because we can't definitively put something into paperwork. Because she keeps, you know, flipping back and forth between rehab and being out and then being sober and then being not. So, right. 
that's currently what we're in. We were supposed to have a court appearance yesterday, but that got pushed off with the rehab stint about two weeks ago. So, And court is extremely costly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Do you have bitter feelings towards that of we keep spending all this money in court? Yeah, there was a, a moment. So between I had my first IUI cycle with the fertility clinic in October. And then we had this big bill after all, like the diagnostic tests and everything, because our insurance is terrible. But mm-hmm. <laughs> after that, and then the bill came in January and they were like, okay, you can't do any more cycles until your current bill is paid. And I was like, huh, that's interesting because that cost is less than what Biomom owes us in child support at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, she got basically an entire year of not paying child support. So, you know, she's over $7,000 in debt to us, basically, if you want to look at it that way. But, um, and I was like, you know, we could have put that in a savings and used that for this or like, not spent our own money on that and used our own money towards, you know, doing another cycle. Right. And that's, I think, where the most resentment comes from me because, you know, she got pregnant so easily and then kind of ditched afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she wasn't paying to support her. She wasn't seeing her for almost a year. And I was like, well, okay, what gives? Right. You know, like <laughs> you wanted this kid so bad. And then, as soon as you get divorced, you don't want anything to do with her, not even financially. So there was one point where my husband was like, listen, if you don't want to financially support her and you don't want to be in her life because you haven't seen her in eight months, then sign over your rights and we'll call it done. You don't owe me anything. Right. And she was like, nope, I'll never do that. We're like, okay. Well, Worth a shot at least, I guess. Yeah, you tried. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate because, well, first of all, I'm glad you have this little girl in therapy. Yes, absolutely. So many people don't, and it's, I'm not bashing them, right? but they think the kids are okay or they're fine. But the fact that this little girl is five and she's already getting therapy for these issues is going to help her tremendously when she turns into a teenager. Oh, yeah. And I can only imagine because that was something I really pushed for in the beginning too after the accident because I only worked four days back then. I did four 10-hour shifts. So I was with her during the day for three of those days. And, you know, I put her in the car maybe a month after the accident to go to the grocery store and she threw the biggest fit I could ever imagine from a a Mm two-year-old. And I was like, what is going on? I was like, oh my gosh, she's probably traumatized. Yeah, she's got PTSD. Exactly. So, you know, that was something I really pushed for because I kept seeing it happening over and over again and she was having nightmares. And she just turned two the week after the accident. So it was something that I really pushed for with my husband, my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, she needs to see somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it's just play therapy for a few years and everything like that, but In our area, we didn't have anybody who would take children younger than four. Oh. Yeah. So we found somebody who would take her. It was a couple months before her fourth birthday. We're like, even if we can just get her into play and like be around somebody else. And like, if we can get her comfortable around somebody so that when she is more verbal and more 
coherent with her thoughts and everything, she'll at least be more comfortable to talk to you because she knows you. Right. So that was something we were looking forward to. And we've been with the same therapist the whole time. I think she goes up until like 16. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So that was something that we were looking for specifically so that, you know, if we do take a break at some point from the therapy, then, you know, we can go back to her at some point and it's not going to be a stranger. Right. And I know way too often people tend to downplay the effect that a wreck, for instance, can have on a child. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I I don't want to talk badly about her, but bio mom is one of the people that was like, oh, she's fine. She's not having nightmares. Mm-hmm. And it was like, but you're not here to see them. Right. So, you know, you can say you don't believe that she's having nightmares and she's having, you know, a tantrum about being in the car. But every time we put her in the car for like months afterwards, she was freaking out. Right. I know some kids don't like being in a car seat, but not every single time. Well, and you would have noticed that before. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the first indicators that we were like, okay, you know, at the time he had sole custody and we're like, okay, well, whether you like it or not, we're getting her a therapist. Yeah. Because she needs to talk to, she needs something because it's not normal for a two-year-old to freak out like that every time they see a car. Right. Yeah. They, they know more than we realize. Exactly. And that's something you said at the beginning, too. You know, we don't give kids enough credit. Mm-hmm. And she's always been incredibly smart. She's She's been surprisingly smart for her every age, really. She's been advanced. So it's like, you know, you don't give her enough credit for remembering things and knowing what happened to her. And, you know, you rolled the car over. I'm pretty sure she noticed. Yeah. she's not completely oblivious to the point that she ended up upside down at one point. Right. Yeah. Like, Oh, this is a roller coaster ride. No. Right. Exactly. And you know, I'm sure bio mom's reaction to also rolling the car wasn't positive. So if she sees you upset or, you know, screaming or crying or anything like that, she's not going to react to the opposite. Right. Yeah. What about bio mom's family? Well, (laughs) that's been uh, a point of contention for a while. Um, Her stepfather, her mom's boyfriend, is just about as high conflict as she is, if not more so. Oh. He, like, he's taken pictures of my car, my license plate, like, our house. He's gotten in trouble with our lawyer a few times. He's, you know, been the one to cover for bio mom a lot he was making notations on her bank statements about why she was going to liquor stores oh it was for him right she he would say that it was for meat and cheese platters for some celebration like a birthday party or something and it's like okay well you can go to the grocery store for those things the liquor store sells that stuff some of them do some of the like the fancier ones do they have like cheese platters and you know (laughs) i'm sorry no yeah i know it's some of them do and some of them don't it's very odd (laughs) apparently it's not where i live because i have never in my life heard of that really no no man so there are some like in the southern massachusetts area that have like nice they're like fancier wine bougie liquor liquor stores stores. yeah yeah exactly so (laughs) they have like some snacks and like chips and stuff like that but So he was like notating on her bank statements about why she would be going to a liquor store. And it was never for 
alcohol or anything. It was like, oh, she bought cigarettes or like whatever. But did he own the liquor store or? Oh, no, no, he he's retired. <laughs> he just went through the receipts and made these notes or on her bank statement. Yeah, she had to hand over bank statements because they were still going through the financial part of the divorce and everything. And he was like making notes as to why she would go to a liquor store. And oh, it definitely wasn't for a bottle of vodka. It was for meat and cheese platters. And she picked up a pack of cigarettes. But, you know, cigarettes are $12. They're not $13.50. So (laughs) it's a whole thing. But, you know, he's been an enabler pretty much the whole time. Her mom pretty much stays out of things completely that's odd considering the boyfriend's all up in it right and she at one point petitioned for grandparents rights Mm -hmm. um so that they would get more time but the lawyer was like you know for grandparents rights you would get time taken out of your daughter's time it's not going to come out of his time right so you know you can take 50 percent of bio mom's time but you're not taking anything away from bio dad because he didn't do anything right so it, it, that basically got thrown out, but that was the only thing she really popped in for. And then otherwise she's been quiet. I don't think people realize that either, that if you do try to get grandparents' rights, it's not going to come out of the other person's time. Right. So you're only hurting your daughter, really. Exactly. And, you know, at that time she had the every other weekend schedule supervised and she was leaving stepdaughter with them anyway. Right. So it's, you're getting 100% of the time. I don't know why you need to petition for more of her time if you're already getting all of it. Yeah, because they thought it was going to take it away from your husband. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess that never went through. No, thankfully, that got dropped pretty quickly. But I remember getting the email from his lawyer like, hey, so this is happening. It's not going to go through. So that was a whole thing. I was like, oh, good. That's that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Just one more thing to worry about. I want to talk about the guardian ad litems. Okay. I have dealt with a few. I have heard about many. Hmm. Not always good. Right. I have a friend that the guardian ad litem became friends with his ex. Oh, no. Yes. And it was blatant. I mean, wow. it was it was crazy. And he couldn't just go in and say, well, they need to take her off the case because she's friended my ex. Right. That seems like a conflict of interest, doesn't it? Then they'll say, well, sorry, this guardian was approved by your attorney. Right. And so what is your experience with the guardian ad litem system? So we had one guardian ad litem in the beginning, and she was very responsive and very supportive of both sides. She really didn't show a lot of bias toward either side, which was really Good. That's what she's supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She was doing her job really well and she was very responsive and everything. And, you know, she was very level headed about everything. Like every time Bio Mom ended up back in rehab or anything, she's like, okay, you know, that brings us a step back. This is why. This is what we're going to go to for this amount of time and then we'll reassess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she was a really good GAL and we really appreciated her. But then she went out on medical leave for a little while and we had the director of the company that we were working with and she was a bulldog she was great (laughs) it was only for a short period of time and she really put as i said bio mom's stepdad was really trying to play the system and you know get himself involved in everything and she was like absolutely not get out (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> she was great. I really appreciated her her efforts toward that because he was at that time getting a lot of uh aggression out towards us and my husband. Yeah. He was being kind of inappropriate and like calling him names through text and like all this stuff. It was a whole mess. Acting like a teenager. Right, exactly. And you know, after that, the original GAL ended up retiring because she was about at that time anyways. Mm -hmm. So then we got assigned a new GAL and I can't say I like her that much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My husband has a lot of reservations toward her because she's one of those people that tells you what you want to hear and then goes and talks to the other party and tells them what they want to hear. And then the truth is somewhere in the middle. But it's oh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the worst. And, and they will, honest to God, play you against each other. Oh, absolutely. I know there was a situation where the guardian ad litem would say something to, say, the mother. Well, I know your husband said blah, blah, blah about you. Oh, and then he would go to the husband and say, well, yeah, your ex told me this about you. Just trying to get their reactions. Right. That's so inappropriate. It's very inappropriate. That's kind of where we're at, too. And, you know, she doesn't really try to, like, pit them against each other as much. But she tells each of them what they want to hear and then kind of does whatever. (laughs) And that's wrong. Right. And then most of the time, too, and it's something that's been pointed out by, like, the co-parenting counselor and, like, my stepdaughter's therapist and the lawyers even, they're like, we sent her an email and then a follow-up and then we tried to call her and she didn't answer. And then we're, you know, three weeks out now and we still haven't gotten any response. Right. And you're paying more money. Right. That's, oh, that's the biggest point of contention with the GAL too. And my mother-in-law is in on this whole thing and she's like, I don't understand why she's charging you. She hasn't done anything. Yeah. And not only is she charging you, but you're getting charged by the attorneys to chase her. Yep, exactly. Every time they have to email her two, three, four times to get a response. A couple hundred bucks. Exactly. Yes. The court system, the family court system, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, drives me insane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I'm completely on board with you on that one. It is ridiculous. And then, yes. of course, the guardian ad litem system is not much better because look at what you've experienced. Right. You've got someone that's just blowing smoke up your butt. Right. And that's something I've I've noticed, too, finding resources and everything for stepmom support. And some people have great GALs like we did in the beginning. And then a lot of them are just back and forth, wishy-washy, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. and. Some of them are brutal and just yes. don't seem to care about the child, which is kind of their entire job. Right. And that's something that we kind of, I mean, I don't want to accuse her of anything, but she keeps wanting to give bio mom more and more and more. And it's like, okay, well, she just went back to rehab. So can we not do unsupervised visits? Because that feels not good. Right. <laughs> so See, and, and to me, that makes no sense. Right. And, and okay, I'm going to go far-fetched with this one. Wonder, by chance, if this guardian ad litem had an alcoholic husband or an alcoholic mother or father or cousin that she felt like just didn't get the break they deserved. Mm. They're not supposed to be biased. 
Right. Neither are judges, but how do you not? Exactly. And, you know, that was another thing, too, toward the um, child support payment thing that we talked about. And I've talked about this with my mom and everything, too. And she's like, you know, I've never seen somebody get this many breaks. Yeah. I have an aunt who had a, a substance issue and she got her kids taken away. Yeah. And she had a year to get things back in order or it was just done. Right. And, you know, here we are three years later, still going back and forth. And my husband was like, you know, if I didn't pay that amount in child support over the course of a year, I'd be in prison. Right. There's absolutely no way I'd be walking around outside doing whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And then you've got the whole thing of the, this guardian ad litem basically re makes recommendations to the judge. Right. And the judge is going to believe them over you. Oh, absolutely. So really, this person has the stepdaughter's life in her hands. Yeah, that's something my husband brought up to his lawyer, too, because we were considering having her removed. And we know she's been removed for non-communication issues in the past off the, a case. Yeah. So we were like, you know, she's really potentially putting her in danger, especially if she agrees to the unsupervised visits so soon after Biomom being in rehab. Right. Because we've seen this pattern. It's every three months or so, you know, she'll be sober for about six weeks. And then for another three weeks or so, we'll see her kind of decline and get weird texts and emails that don't quite make sense. And like, get a phone call with the therapist and her on conference call and she'll be kind of slurring and, you know, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. So we're like, okay, well maybe she's tired, but also she might be drunk. Yeah. And then she goes back into rehab again and it's like, okay, well, you know, she wants to do a two month check-in with like sober link or, you know, any kind of breathalyzer system mm -hmm. and then call it good. And it's like, okay, well, that's negating the three month. Well, not just that. It, she can get any idiot to blow for her. Oh, absolutely. I know adults that have their kids blowing those things. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because they can't start the car without it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, that makes no sense. And yeah. I know you could never say this to the guardian ad litem, and you probably shouldn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to say, are you stupid? Right, like what is wrong with you? Right, if something happens to this child, it's on your hands. Oh, absolutely. And that's something my husband and I have said, you know, behind closed doors and everything, you know. We get an email from her. And it's like, okay, well, she can have her for three days over Thanksgiving. And it's like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> no, something's going to happen. And that was the thing, too, because this whole accident thing that started the whole situation was on Easter Sunday. Well, I was getting ready to say, sure, let's do Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving, Easter, all this stuff, all the holidays are reasons to drink. Exactly. And that was the biggest concern, because her her mom's boyfriend was always like, oh, no, we didn't see them that day. It didn't. Ha she didn't come from our house. But in the police report, it says that she told them <laughs> she came from his house. Mm -hmm. So he let her leave the house drunk. With a not even two-year-old kid and drive away. Yeah. So it's like, uh, okay, well, because he was, at the beginning, because of the whole COVID thing, he was the supervisor for her visitations. Oh, the stepdad? 
Yep. Oh, so, that's another crock of crap too. But Oh, exactly. Because none of the professional supervision locations around us were open mm-hmm. for the beginning of COVID. And yep. if they were, it was really restricted times. And you know, he let her see the child by herself. Oh, absolutely. That was one of the biggest points that my husband made. He was like, I don't like this. I don't want him to be the supervisor forever. I want to get into a professional facility as soon as we possibly can because he'll just let her drive off. Right. He's already done it once. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. It's it's a whole situation. It is. It is. And I hate it because, again, there's no accountability. This guardian ad litem can just say, I think y'all were just being too hard on her. Or my mm-hmm. mom might have gave her some sob story. And then she decides to let this kid go back, and it puts that kid in danger. Right. And, and that no, was- it might not even be a wreck. It may be the kid gets sick, bio mom's passed out, and can't help her. Yeah, exactly. And there was one instance, this was like a one-off thing, but my stepdaughter came home and she was like, oh yeah, grandpa gave me orange medicine. And we were like, for what? And nobody would tell us. We were texting him, texting bio mom, like calling people, trying to email people. Like, what did you give her? Because when she came back, to when she left and when she came back, she wasn't sick. Right. What is she taking medicine for? And, you know, three months down the line, we finally got an answer because the co-parenting counselor was like, listen, if you're over-medicating, we're going to figure something else out because this isn't okay. They're like, oh, it was orange juice in a medicine cup. It's like, okay, well, let's not pretend to be taking medicine. That seems icky. Right. (laughs) That's so weird. But then... That's shady to me, too. Yeah. She had mentioned in an email, the GAL, she emailed my husband and said that we can't negate the progress she's made in her treatment programs and be so hard on her. (laughs) I was like, okay, well. But they haven't been successful. Exactly. It's like she's successful for about six weeks at a time and then she goes back. Well, and here's the thing is, I mean, all the power to her for going to treatment. That's that's a big step. That's big. Yeah. But and it's not working. And I would say, personally, if it was me, I would say until she is out of the treatment program and has no instances of alcohol in her system, not just the blowing thing, but a test that a doctor or somebody, because they can test for alcohol. Yeah. I'd personally say at least three months, six months. Right. And that's something we've tried to push for too with her because she's like, oh, well, two months is fine. It's like, yeah, but you're negating the fact that we tell you it's a three month span. She's good for about six weeks. She gets off for about two, three weeks, and then she's back in rehab a couple of weeks later. Right. And Something we've discussed, but I know we can't enforce it unless Biomom does it on her own, her own accord, is they do have treatment facilities that do a six-month treatment program, a year treatment program. Right. And she's currently unemployed, so she could absolutely do one of those. Right. But, you know, we know how she is. <laughs> she's She's not diagnosed, but, like, she either has, like, a bipolar disorder or just a narcissistic personality mm-hmm. that she's always just checked herself into programs to make it look like she's done something. Uh, and she does like a five month detox or a five month, a five day detox right. and then comes back out and then the whole cycle starts over again. 
And it's like, okay, well, the five day thing isn't going to work for you. Right. And I'm not saying keep her completely away from the kid. Oh, right. I'm saying do supervised visitations, but before the child even sees her, make sure she's not drunk. Oh, absolutely. That was something that came up this most recent time, too. My husband was like, I want test results before supervised visitations, and I want test results before we do any kind of phone call. Mm-hmm. Because that's the old, we like, we did phone calls between bio mom and my stepdaughter for about three months on Tuesdays. And there's at least two or three times that she called and we were like, she's drunk. There's no way she's not. Right. So we need to get on a more consistent testing basis, which I think is in place now for the most part. Mm -hmm. It's not the testing system we were using before, which my husband preferred, but. It's something, at least for now. Yeah. At this point in time, does she have any set schedule that she can see the child supervised? So there was a schedule for a while. It was Tuesday phone calls for about 20 minutes. And then Thursdays, it was an hour and a half uh, at a supervision center. Mm -hmm. So that was the schedule for a while. And then... She got COVID at the end of January and then claimed she had COVID for about a month and a half and then went back into rehab. (laughs) So now that she's out, that's uh, what I was just talking about with the testing thing. She's going Mm -hmm. to be sending breathalyzer results to the GAL who will then send them to my husband. She does them at 7 a.m. and then 3 p.m., I believe, every day. But how do you know it's her? Exactly. I'm hoping the... The uh, sober link that we had before, she had to be like facial recognition on camera to do it. Okay. So that one we could at least verify. This one, I'm not so sure what the process is, but I'm hoping it's similar. Mm -hmm. And then he would get those results, both results before phone calls or visitations happen. Well, that's good. Does it give him time to, how do I put this, not tell his daughter to where he doesn't psych her up for it and then she's disappointed? Yeah. So, I mean, yes and no. We do keep a calendar visible for her to like, okay, every time something's written in red is when you see mama. So Mm -hmm. she like knows when to expect it. But, you know, with her having COVID and everything, we were like, okay, well, she's sick. So I erased a few of them. And I was like, okay, we're not going to see her these weeks. Yeah, she's really sick this time. Right, yeah. Yeah. She's actually sick this time. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, we were like, oh, well, she's still sick. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But he would get the test results in time to, like, not get her into the car or, like, tell her we're going. Because we'd be like, okay, we're going on Thursday. But, you know, she's five. She's like, okay, well, what's today? And then, like, I'd get her ready and be like, okay, we're going to see mama now and give her about an hour's notice. Mm Mm-hmm. So at least if she's doing tests at like 3 p.m., the visits were at 5.30. So it gives us a little time to, you know, pivot and find something else exciting to do and like kind of gently explain, okay, well, not this time because somebody couldn't make it. Something came up, you know. Right. That's one of the more bothersome things, I think, is constantly making excuses for her. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't want to trash talk her to her own daughter you no. know that's not you don't want to say good place. sorry honey your mama's drunk again right exactly so that that's something we don't want to do and we don't do in our house is you know talk trash about her mom to her good so it's like okay well you know 
mama got sick or she had to go to the doctors or whatever the frustration is like okay well we know what she's doing yeah but i can't tell her that because she's five and of course she loves her mother and her mom's great with her when she's sober and even if she was 15 you wouldn't want to tell her that and the reason yeah. yeah and the reason being because that will turn into harming your relationship with her because she's going to feel like you're bashing her mom yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, we try, I mean, her mother and I do not get along, which I mean, surprise, <laughs> right after she's, you know, tried to track me down and taking pictures of my car. How much, how much of a relationship could we really build? Yes. But, you know, I've never said anything negative about her mother to her. And that was a thing too. She saw one of the TikToks I made that was referencing her, but like, I've never used her name, her face anything like that and she's like well you can't say those things around stepdaughter and i'm like i don't it's it's text she can't read that and she also doesn't have tiktok because she's five right so, <laughs> now who who saw that oh bio mom did oh her sister-in-law sent it to her it got a little uh traction and ended up with like 180,000 views or something like that probably 179,000 were bio mom <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> well, I realized her sister-in-law had been on my TikTok profile recently. And I was like, oh, interesting how you saw that because she sent it to you. Mm-hmm. Mm, so that got that got a block. But yeah, I was like, you know, I don't say anything out loud to her. I don't know if she's overheard anything between my husband and I, because, you know, when we get to a certain point of frustration, we're just yelling. But we'd like try to stay in the basement and do that. Yeah. But we try our hardest to stay positive toward her and her relationship and you know we wish she would spend more time with you too and we wish you saw her more often and you know she is really great with her when she's sober and she's a good mom when she's not drinking i know plenty of people that they are great people when they're sober yeah absolutely and when they're drunk they're just nasty people yeah she's a monster when she's drunk yeah and it's unfortunate because it's like, man, you're so cool and whatever. And then they get drunk and you're like, ah, oh, man. Right. I don't know why you're doing this to yourself because it's not very good. Yeah. And, you know, if she was sober when, you know, she and I ended up meeting or she had she had originally started texting me through a, a co-parenting app and she came in guns blazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could tell she wasn't sober at the time because there were misspellings. She was trying to like dictate her texts and all of them were slurred speech and it was a whole thing. And I was like, I don't understand half of what you're saying. I understand you're frustrated that I exist, but we need to have this conversation another time. Cause I don't think you're where you should be. Right. And, you know, she and I have had conversations while she was sober and she's very pleasant when she's sober, mm-hmm. but she's not often sober. Yeah. And, and I feel bad for her. Oh, yeah. That she's got this addiction. It it goes back and forth for me, too, because it's like, you know, at some point, I know addiction is not a choice, but at some point you need to make the choice to not do that again. You need to, like, the whole five-day detox programs, you see that that's not working. You need to make a better choice in, like, a longer situation, because especially because she's not working currently. Right. And it's like, you can do 30, 60 days in rehab and maybe that'll be better for you. Maybe that'll help you stay sober longer. Right. 
So, you know, there are certain choices within the addiction that she's just not making. Mm-hmm. And she's not open to hearing about it either, which is the saddest part. And, you know, I do feel bad because she has obviously made it very clear that, you know, she wants to be a part of stepdaughter's life. She wants to be around. She wants to go to functions. She wants to be there for her dance recital and everything. But Mm -hmm. there's only so much we can do without either completely excluding her or over including her in you know setting stepdaughter up for disappointment right yeah and it has to be about stepdaughter not by a mom exactly yeah and i'm sitting here thinking and i don't know the answer to this but i wonder if addiction for alcoholism is harder to break than other things because it's so readily available Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can walk into any grocery store and buy any kind of, like, most kinds of alcohol. And addiction is a thing that runs, alcoholism specifically, is a thing that runs in my husband's family. And So your stepdaughter's got it coming from both. Right. And that was one of the reasons we wanted her in therapy so early, too, because we don't want it to start in her teen years and then become more of a problem. Right. But, like, my... Husband, I think it was his uncle or a great uncle, went to rehab for a long, a long time and ended up having a panic attack in the middle of a grocery store because of the beer aisle. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, that's more on the way of recovery than her just walking into a liquor store (laughs) every so often. Right. But I think you're right too, because, you know, finding harder drugs and pills and everything, there's more nuance to it you have to find somebody specific and right it's a whole process but alcohol liquor any kind of there's stores on every corner yeah and then as a parent that alcoholism runs in the family it's do you scare her to death to never drink <laughs> right that's one of the things that with this whole process my husband and i have been trying to instill in her early like it's okay to drink a little bit it's okay to have some if you're staying home like he and I don't go to the bar almost ever he does sometimes with like one of his friends right but then I'll go pick him up right he or he'll uber home he's not driving Mm -hmm. and then like my husband will drink a beer or two at dinner but then we're staying home right and she never sees us get like drunk or like sloppy about it We do game nights with my brother and sisters and their significant others and everything. And like, we'll have a a beer or two, wine, whatever, and or like a mixed drink here and there. But nobody's getting belligerent or like trash over. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to let her know early and with example that some alcohol is okay. And Like with my husband, too, coming from a line of alcoholism, like his father almost never drinks. He'll have a beer maybe twice a year. Right. Like his mom doesn't drink almost ever. His sister doesn't drink at all. He'll have a beer maybe once a week. So it's like he's learned to maintain it so that it doesn't become a problem. Mm -hmm. And luckily, it's never been an issue for him. And we're trying to also make sure that stepdaughter knows that as long as it's not 
becoming a problem than it's okay to do in moderation. Well, and I guess that's my thought is if if she's told it's okay to do in moderation, how do you make sure that moderation doesn't turn into alcoholism? I mean, I'm right. not saying what you're doing is wrong at all. Yeah. I'm just, I just have questions about that. Of how, what do you do? Do you teach the kids that, yes, moderation is the thing and hope that they don't go in excess? Or do you just, like I said, scare the crap out of them where they think if they drink, they're going to turn into an alcoholic? Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's the the line that we're kind of uh, towing right now. Because we're not exactly sure yeah. uh, which way that'll go. Because, like, I I don't drink much at all. I'm like my husband's father. I have maybe a wine, a glass of, like, a, a pint of beer every couple months, maybe. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping maybe she just doesn't like it when she grows up. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, like, I used to go to the bar once in a while with friends and stuff and have, like, a drink and come home. Mm-hmm. But just because I don't, I generally don't like the taste of alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of hoping that's how it ends up. Yes. But with the amount of trauma she's already had, I don't want to like scare the bejesus out of her about drinking. Yeah. Especially because, you know, her father and I do have wine every so often. And, you know, right. I don't want her to freak out because we're drinking once in a while. Yeah. Oh, daddy, you're going to be an alcoholic. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want that to be the, the case. But I think that's something that we'll have to continually assess. As she gets older, and thankfully her therapist, as long as she stays in practice, I, I plan to stick with her as long as we can. Right. So the God forbid she underage drinks. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't even think doctors could answer the question that I have about that. Yeah. Each individual is probably different. Right. And it's like with Bio Mom, again, she's exposed to it constantly. Oh, absolutely. And that's... Another thing, too, is, like, my stepdaughter knows that too much alcohol is bad. And she, you know, as as we said earlier, we don't give her enough credit for how smart she is. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that's something she keeps in mind as she grows older. And, you know, as things get more clear to her as she's growing older, like, maybe she'll understand her mother's alcoholism a bit better when she gets to be a teenager and... See, like, that's not something I want for my life. Right. And, like, her mother was a nurse, and she got fired from two separate jobs. Oh, wow. During during a pandemic, mind you. So they were short on nurses. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping when she gets older and knows more of the truth and, you know, comes to conclusions for herself, that that's just not the way she wants her life to be. Right. Yeah. Because she's a smart girl. I I think she'll figure out more than we want her to (laughs) at an early age. So, Well, and hopefully if she sees someone drunk, she doesn't think, oh, they're so funny and they're so cool. Instead, it's, that's sad. I hope they get help. Absolutely. That's, That's what I'm hoping, too. Like I said, she's incredibly smart and she's... She's already picked like 18 different career paths <laughs> at five years old. So I'm hoping she understands that to pursue all of those, that she needs to keep a clear head and stay in school and not drink to excess. Like once right. in a while, fine. That's, you know, you do you, but yeah, don't get crazy. Exactly. Exactly. 
I know my parents never really drank growing up. My dad did go through a little phase where he drank, but mm. it wasn't anything big. But I remember right. my mom, after her and my dad split up, I was at her house and I saw some wine coolers. I said, are you drinking those? She said, I plead the fifth. Oh, jeez. That's a yes. Which was shocking <laughs> because I never saw my mom drink. I mean, really? I know that she probably had a beer every once in a while or a glass of wine or something, but we never had alcohol in our house. Yeah, that's kind of how it was in my house, too. Like, my mom, she would have, like, a beer on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. <laughs> the green beer. You got to have the green beer. Oh, yeah. And my dad, I know he, when he was in the National Guard when he was younger, he, like, had a couple crazy weekends and, like, almost got arrested and whatever. But he hasn't really had anything to drink since. He'll, like, he, I think he had, like, a whiskey at a funeral once. And that was about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm not a big drinker myself. I went through my phase. Right. And now I know people think I'm crazy, but I am serious. I get a buzz off a of half a beer. Oh, same. Absolutely. And I can get <laughs> tore up off two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I have the Red's apple ciders up in our fridge right now. Uh-huh. I bought them for a game night. I had half of one. I was like, I'm done with this. I can't. Yeah. My cousins came from California, and they had some wine. And they were like, you want to try it? And I was like, yeah. I'm not a wine drinker. never really have been. Me and I took two little sips. And I looked at them. I was like, I feel this. <laughs> and then my dad actually came over. And they were like, hey, Uncle Johnny, you want some wine? He's like, yeah, I'll try it. He took two drinks. He's like, man, that's some strong stuff. (laughs) I was like, you feel it too? I mean, it was just like, woo. I don't know what percentage alcohol this is, but it's kicking close to Everclear or something. (laughs) 60% alcohol kind of wine. Ooh, something. Yeah. I was shocked. And then, of course, two minutes later, I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Right. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. Yeah. I'm I'm too old to feel like crap the next day. To make yourself feel like crap the next day on purpose. There we go. Oh, I know. Yeah. I can't. Like, ever since I hit 30, I was like, I don't want the three-day hangover. I'm all set. No, man. Mm-mm. I do not miss that at all. Mm-mm. Well, Erica, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. Thank you. It's been great to talk to you. We wish you the best. Thank you. And and I want you to come back and be a guest on the podcast when you have your sweet baby. Oh, absolutely. That would be great. Yeah. And then you can let us know how stepdaughter's doing with it. Yeah, give an update. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks again. Yeah, thank you. One of the things that you heard in this podcast episode was about guardian ad litems. If you have had a positive or a negative experience with guardian ad litems, we'd like for you to be a guest on our podcast. So please contact us at contactus at nachokids.com and let us know that you would like to be a guest to discuss your experiences with the guardian ad litem. Yeah, we had some fun ones. Yeah, there can be some fun ones. And if you are a stepmom having fertility issues, go check out Erica's Instagram and stuff and get some support because we know it's not easy. Nope. Get all the help you can. That's right. All right. That's all we got, folks. All right. Well, join us again next week. And until then, remember, life is good when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.